0: Let's do this. I'm excited. A Week 14 wrap-up, the Tua Herbert conversation. Brady, uh, Cincinnati's win, finally, against Cleveland. And we're going to break a bunch of other stuff down with Damian Woody. As we do, we have life advice and my Spotify wrap. I'm going to share with everybody. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Week 14, top five things that I thought were the most important. I think the top, the headline, the most important game, the thing we were all looking forward to, that was the showdown between the Dolphins and Chargers out here in Los Angeles. Herbert versus Tua. I appreciate so many listeners with the T's and P's after my week one going into week two Thing I don't want to say out loud where I felt like, man, after that first week, I'm like, I don't see it with Tua. And then he's basically had the best stats of any quarterback in the league. So now Tua's is coming off the two worst games of his season. He was 10 of 28 last night, one touchdown. He hit Tyreek on a play where the defender fell down. That's the deal with Tyreek. Like at some point, he's just going to break one. It doesn't matter. Uh, Waddle was invisible. And the Chargers just did a terrific job, I thought, just being physical and throwing off some of the timing route that they were supposed to be doing. Uh, Looking at the final numbers, I was surprised it was as good as 10 to 28. I'm serious. And apparently that's the worst completion percentage for a starting QB Miami's had in the game since 1980. That seems crazy that that's the worst in 43 seasons. So if I look at Miami last night in that game, at one point they had had four completions in the middle of the third quarter, and they're still only down 17-14. This was still a game. Despite how bad this was, it was still a game. And I thought, you know what? This is the perfect Tua game. They're going to pull this out. I'm going to feel about Tua. like I'm not going to feel great about these last couple weeks, this game and the San Francisco game. The San Francisco game, he got his ass kicked physically. This game, he didn't. He just missed everything. It was bad. It was just a bad game. So I'm going, this is perfect. Because one of the most frustrating times in my life was being on the air doing the Tim Tebow run. Like, I knew he wasn't good. I, I, but then they'd win. Then they'd win. I think there's a Dolphins game in there that's really weird. There's that Bears game that was... I would just go, "What? I can't come into work on Monday and say I think he's good now. And then I think at one point I was like, maybe he just kind of has this weird... Thing where it, it raises everybody's floor and you're like, nope, just really lucky. Got really lucky. Hits that game winner in the playoffs. You're like, no, nah, he just wins. And then he doesn't just win. And again, Tua, I'm not comparing him to Tebow. This isn't like this weird phenomenon because here's the deal. This isn't a week to week. This isn't a he stinks last night, so now my week one thing is right. I'm actually not going to do that, right? I'm not one of those guys. The big picture thing is that Tua has stabilized not only his career, but he stabilized the Dolphins at the position because the bigger picture of 22 has been really good for Tua. It's just the last couple weeks have been really bad. He doesn't run the ball that much anymore, by the way. He had 3 carries in his previous 3 games. Started to break it out a little bit last night when they couldn't get anything going in the passing game. So, again, long term, this whole Tua story feels like a huge positive and I'm I'm not ready to like I wouldn't want to do the job that way. Be like, "Ah, I told you after week 1" cuz I still wasn't even sure then. And then he has two bad weeks, but like, "Hey, I was right all along. Here's what I am definitive about." Okay? Okay? However, there is no sane football person that would want to over Herbert. Period. I know the numbers from two of this year are better. Um, you can definitely accuse me of the primetime perception thing here, but it wasn't close last night, and they're both twenty-four. So we're actually going to have to wait multiple years before we have a definitive answer to what I don't think is a debate between these two. Number two, 22 Brady is 19 Brady. Yesterday was brutal. Uh, I still can't believe Tampa won that game against New Orleans, but actually I should be able to believe it because if you've been watching Bucks games all season, it's like, man, this team can't do anything right today. And then you're like, wait. They're a two-point conversion away from tying this thing up or winning it. I mean, think how many games this year have ended with Brady in this moment. You're like, are you serious? They have a chance? That was not the story yesterday against San Francisco. They moved the ball a little bit, but when it came down to it, it wasn't happening. And it was a combination of a million things, including Brady not being good because it was so ugly. You're going to start hearing the Brady stuff of like, all right, this guy should retire. That's up to him. Tampa Bay's 21st on third-down conversions. Let's compare Brady's 19 stats his last year in New England to this year in Tampa. Uh, Brady's completion percentage in 19 was 61%. It's still 66% in Tampa this season. 6.6 yards per attempt in New England in 2019. That was his worst in 18 years. Well, this year at 6.2, now the worst in his career. His uh, QBR in 19 was 55.7 that was the worst of his career until replaced by this year's worst of his career at 51. The touchdown interception ratio was three to one then, 24 and eight, 17 and five now. He actually went eight weeks, eight straight games this season without a pick. He still only has five. So when I looked at 19 Brady, there were real numbers that were jumping out to you going, What's going on with him? Now, they never invested in the skill guys unless they were discounted. And towards the end, it was pretty bad. It was pretty limited. And Brady's trying to find a way to make it work because he'd always found a way to make it work. Talent has been better in Tampa. And it's still this year's hurt talent has been better, even if the offensive line's a mess. They are throwing it a million times. He's thrown it 109 times in his last two games. But as bad as the San Francisco game looked, because every conversation about Brady and the declining number, it's just funny that he, you're getting kind of an even worse version of the 19 Brady that New England said, we're ready to move on from. They thought it was going to keep declining. They were wrong. He won a Super Bowl. It's one of the best, best revenge stories in team sports. I'm not guaranteeing if he's somewhere new, you win a Super Bowl with him that next year if he's gone after 22. But there's real similarities. I'm not predicting some massive bounce back like we had after 19, because now we're talking about being 45 as opposed to just in his early 40s. But the retirement part of it, he's still probably better than what? Half the QBs? At worst, a third of the QBs? If he wants to come back as ugly as San Francisco looked, I'm not going to complain about it. Number three, I don't think this topic is going to be covered anywhere else. Tough weekend for the Whites. Mike White cut in half by Matt Milano, linebacker for the Bills, who's a stud. I don't know if he's Fred Warner level. Very protective of that. Prime Luke Keekley. I know the comps. BC. Like, I, I'm very protective of prime Luke Keekley, but Milano is a stud. White looks like he might have broken ribs, cutting back into the game. Didn't look that great. Okay, where's this going? Remember Sammy White, Vikings wide receiver? He had the team record for receiving yards in a single game. 210 back in 1976. Justin Jefferson finally broke it. Because it looked like he was going to break it every week, eleven catches for two twenty three and a loss to Detroit. Detroit, by the way, six and seven. Past four seasons, we've had a six and seven team make the playoffs. Are you ready for Lions football? And finally, Kobe White. He did have a big defensive play last night against Atlanta. He hit an overtime three, but overall shot at four from twelve after shooting one for seven against Dallas. So there you go. Tough weekend for the Whites. Number four, Cincinnati. They beat Kansas City. They apparently can't beat Cleveland until they beat them yesterday. Uh, Their last win was in Week 17 against the Browns in 2019. Again, they lost five straight. They lose T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd around the first series of yesterday's game. Uh, But they pull this one out with, I don't know if Hendrickson and Hubbard get nearly as much credit For the pressures, like if you look at some of their pressure numbers, if you just watch the games a little bit, like this Cincinnati defense feels like it could carry an offense that was struggling yesterday. On the Cleveland side of this, the oddity was that Cleveland, whose offense was actually way better than I think people even realize, even than I realized with Brissett, you bring in Watson and... What this is now for you is Deshaun Watson practice the rest of the season. You're five and eight. That's all this is because he needs to practice. He is playing like somebody who hasn't played in two years. There is also the part of this where no one is rooting for you. They want the Deshaun Watson story um, to not work out. The resentment from other owners, from everybody else that you got $230 The fact that the guy that has the most guaranteed money in the history of this sport is Deshaun Watson uh, is going to bother almost everybody, right? There also appears it felt like yesterday when they started putting up how the Deshaun Watson series had gone since he had taken over as starter just a week ago. Ten punts, a couple field goals, a safety pick, fumble. And people, anytime it's a punt, it's like, yeah, this isn't working. And then when anytime it's a turnover, there's even more joy. And it felt like it got real specific on some of the bottom line coverage where it's like, look how bad this guy has been. All of that's accurate. But I'd ask this to anybody just from a football standpoint, just the football part of this. Do you think he's going to be bad? Because I don't. I think he looks bad. I don't think he's going to be bad. And that's that's really the conversation for him and going into next year. And finally, a stat that I've been looking for when it was first brought to my attention about the Titans' second half numbers. Smashed by Jacksonville. I know what the final score was. That was a beating by Jacksonville team. I can't I don't know what to make of every other week, right? We're back We're back to the good one. Uh, Tennessee is scoring 5.4 points in second half of games this year. You know how when you're looking up something, maybe you don't because you don't host a podcast where I'll be like, hey, here's a number. Actually, this feels low. Let me see historically how low this is. Let me keep sorting it and going back past seasons. This one, I got sick of it. I was like, I hope this actually shows up here soon because I'm sick of sorting through this. 5.4 points in the second half of games that is on pace to be the worst number we've seen in an NFL season since 2013 from Tampa Bay. Damian Woody coming up. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free brightside breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Joining us as he does throughout the football season, Damian Woody, former player now with ESPN. Okay, I might just start with your Jets, and I feel like they're your Jets. We've we've discussed this, despite your resume with other teams. I feel like you care about the Jets the most. You're located close to them. I know it's a loss. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm late to this. I think they're going to be good for a while. If White is, is just above average as a quarterback, and clearly he's better than Zach Wilson at this point, I'm constantly impressed every time I watch them. And that was after losing Quinn and Williams, which is a big deal. But to watch them defensively, and I know they lost to Buffalo, but I'm, just, I'm watching that game going, they have talent. They're tough. Uh, there's a lot of buy-in from me after the Jets, even after a loss.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I, I tell people all the time, the Jets have arrived early. They weren't supposed to, like, if you ask anyone in the organization, both front office and coaches, they thought 2023 was going to be their year. And the fact that all of these young players, these draft picks, these these young players from, you know, the past couple drafts, they've arrived quickly. And the Jets are a very talented team. And I can tell you one thing, that game yesterday, I mean, they held, Josh Allen had like 140 passing yards. Okay. Stephon Diggs had like 37 receiving yards. Like, they held all their stars down to minimal damage at all. Like, that defense is legit. It's one of the best defenses in the league. And if the Jets somehow, someway, can find themselves in the postseason, I think they need to win the last three out of four to get in. They're going to be a scary team in the postseason because their defense is scary.
0: Yeah, they're more talented than New England is. I, I don't think oh, it's. No question. I don't think it's a, even close to a stretch to say that New England really does feel like the fourth team in the AFC East. And and when I watch the Jets, I mean, Wilson alone at receiver is better than anything New England's had in a while. And it just, it feels, it feels fairly obvious now that something that you're like, ah, the Jets, who cares? And I'm spending too much time on a team that, you know, isn't necessarily going to threaten anybody, but it feels right. And, you know, what are you hearing on the Mike White part of this? I know he got beat up quite a bit yesterday, but is Zach Wilson ever going to get that job back?
1: <laughs> I, I honestly feel like Mike White is playing himself into a start roller in 2023. Uh, I like the the team, the locker room is clearly behind Mike White. Like he, it seems like each start he's he's only strengthening his hold on that start job in, in uh, with the Jets. And uh, it, like I said, if they if they ultimately if they can find their way in the postseason, I think Mike White's going to be a starting quarterback next year.
0: On the dig side, uh, you know, there's a bunch of stuff can go into it, and I don't I don't have the answer because clearly he is one of the the handful of difference makers at that position. But can a receiver? Can a, an elite receiver be taken out for an entire game if a defense wants to, or is there a different? A different DNA in receivers where there's some top guys that are amazing and put up huge numbers and there's other guys that are the same thing, but like they just they're gonna find a way. Like I don't know if that's up to the receiver, up to the coordinator. We saw that they start moving digs into the slot. Uh, there's just a lot, and I don't have an answer on digs, but I'm just wondering your experience, the difference between receivers that we all would put in the same group that maybe you separate because some dude just decides I'm not letting this happen to me today, where other receivers may let it happen.
1: Well, I think there's a lot of factors. And then clearly uh, you know, defenses went, you know, during the week and, and on on game day, they you know, they have like a uh they have a bullseye on, on certain guys. And and so you can defensively you can adjust your covers to try to take out guys and you know, then you know, offenses will counter by moving guys around, particularly in the slot, makes it a little bit harder and stuff like that. But there's a lot of factors that goes into it. You know, like, last, yet, like yesterday with the Jets, Jets' defensive front was killing Buffalo. So when your quarterback doesn't have time to throw, guess what? He can't find those guys. So there's a lot of factors that goes into it. Jets have two of the best corners in the National Football League in Sauce Garden and D.J. Reed, and they just match. I, I feel like they match up well with Buffalo. Now, Stefan Diggs is going to get his most of the time, but listen, both times he played against the Jets, he didn't really do much.
0: That's also a good segue into what the Chargers did against Tyreek Hill. Um, mm-hmm. It reminded me a little bit of you guys against the Rams in the Super Bowl where you beat the shit out of all the receivers and Marshall Falk and got away with it for the entire time. Uh, again, credit to you who got away with it. But it was funny to see that one illegal contact downfield call and then the Dolphins' sidelines like, oh, really? Like now? <laughs> and they they mentioned it. Collins would mention it on the broadcast because I thought it was it was smart. But you're still – like the scary thing with Hill, and like happened last night, is is one guy falls down and it it's six. Like it's just, it's just going to happen at some point. You're gonna lose contain. You're gonna screw up the coverage. Um, I thought what they did last night, especially with no Derwin James, was really impressive from the Chargers.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, when you watch the Miami Dolphins, particularly their passing game, they do a lot of what's called in breaking routes. A lot of their a lot of their explosive plays happen between the numbers. Tua is really, really accurate between the numbers, but I think teams are starting to catch on to that. Teams are really starting to flood that area between the numbers, and they're basically telling Tua, okay, now you got to complete some of these passes outside the numbers. And you know what's happened in the past few games? He hasn't been accurate outside the numbers. And so this Miami Dolphins offense, you know, during the season, you got to adjust. It's all about, you know, Okay, you do this, team, defense adjust. Now you got to adjust again. So the Miami Dolphins, they got to know that these teams are starting to flood the defense between the numbers. What adjustments are you going to make to help your quarterback out?
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of that stuff, too, where there are such predetermined throws which have worked for Miami, and it's been great for Tua, where it's – it's like a quick drop and pivot, and it's this yep. slant, and it's on. But if you yep. screw up that release, the whole mechanism is thrown off.
1: It's because a lot of it's about timing, right? right? Like you see, Tua is so precise; like he, he gets back into his drop quick, and he lets go of the ball quickly. Well, guess what? If you get up and you press these receivers in their face, throw throw the timing off. Now the whole passing game becomes disjointed, and so. That's what I'm saying. Like with the Miami Dolphins on offense, Mike McDaniel, okay, what's your counter? You got hit. You got hit. Now, what's what's your counterpunch to what teams are doing to you now?
0: So do you think this is a warning? Do you think that this is a, a bad sign for two in this offense now, back to back weeks?
1: I think I think Miami's on a very slippery slope right now. Because think about it. This Thursday, they got the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo against that defense. We saw that defense against the Jets. Like, that defense is good. And so they see the film. They saw the film against the San Francisco 40, you know, when they went against the San Francisco 49ers. They're going to look at the film against the Chargers. Well, guess what? If you prove that you can't do certain things, it's a copycat league. Teams are going to copy it until you prove and you show that you got it figured out. So, again, it's going to be a big, big test for the Miami Dolphins this Thursday.
0: I started the show saying this because I've I've taken my lumps on the Tua, uh, you know, conversation just because, you know, I watched the beginning of this year and I went, oh man, I was like, here we go again. And then he turns into like an MVP candidate and it's, it's absurd, but I look at, but it isn't just last night, but like I look at last night's game on top of how I feel about Herbert and Tua and what I expect them to be the rest of the way. I don't know how any football person would go. I'll take Tua over
1: the other guy. (laughs) <laughs> I can think of one person who, who who's, who's been on that, you know, <laughs> like Emmanuel Acho, you know, he, like that dude, like that dude went out to the Miami dolphins practice this, uh, before the charges and was, you know, bragging about the tour. And I'm like, okay. All right. Okay. We'll see. But to me, Justin Herbert is, he's phenomenal, man. Like his, his, His all-around talent is second to none in the National Football League. And I know we talk about Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and rightfully so and Patrick Mahomes, but you can't tell me, like, Justin Herbert can do everything those guys can do easily. Easily. He puts it on display every week.
0: Did you feel almost bad for Russell Wilson considering it felt like, hey, wait, you're actually in this game, and then he gets a concussion?
1: Yeah, yeah, man. It was just first of all, it was a bad looking play, just the way the camera angle was. And then on top of it, this is the first time the Broncos have showed a pulse on offense, and then all of a sudden you get knocked out of the game. Like it's just like, holy hell. Like what, what like this is the worst type of luck I, I've seen in, in quite some time uh for a player. I also think something
0: happens in every game. Every game like this and you're gonna agree
1: elaborate elaborate with that
0: there are so many times where i'll go and this is why i think we love the game of football but also why the results sometimes annoy the shit out of me because i'll watch a game and go okay i feel this way about this team a is way better than team b and team a goes up 14 nothing immediately (laughs) and everything i thought was right like okay this is right i mean this was what 27 nothing
1: 27 nothing they got the the picture of, <laughs> of uh, Kelsey on the bench, like with his arms just kicked up, laughing, looked like he was about to like smoke a cigar or something like that, and then the Broncos come storming back. and a lot
0: of their storming back was because all of a sudden Kansas City started making mistakes, and yeah, whole now-
1: storm uh, creating t- throwing turnovers and stuff like that. yeah,
0: right, so now now you're looking at a situation where you're going, okay, short fields here. Right? Because after it's 27 nothing, Denver punts, interception, score, 42 yards, interception, score. Granted, they put together a seven-play 60-yard drive, and now it's 27-14. I think football is so hard that you can't help yourselves but go, these guys stink. I'm not going to block <laughs> as hard. I'm not going to rush as hard. And then, dude, the, the Josie Jewell pick, the later yeah. pick, that was an incredible. Incredible incredible interception, right? Yes, but Mahomes, you know, starts feeling himself a little bit. It's like the old (laughs) Steph Curry thing where they're up 30 when he was younger. He would start trying stuff that people don't even try in scrimmages in an NBA game. Uh, The Mahomes pick that that jewel pick, as we both said, like that's a phenomenal play by a guy where Mahomes in a million years is never thinking that play is going to be made on that ball. But I think that's what yesterday was. And you're right. It sucks for Denver because they finally showed some kind of offense. Wilson starts like, believe let's do this. You know, you got guys tweeting at Wilson saying, stop thanking Jesus. <laughs> which was more, it wasn't a religious thing. It was like, he doesn't right. want credit for your season. I mean, it was getting right. really, na- like, I'll look at his post and I look at this response. And I'm like, man, this one crossed the line this week. Um, yeah. It just—I think it happens. I think you know, like when you're up twenty nothing and don't respect the opponent, you're just not going to block as hard as you did at the beginning of the game.
1: Well, I think you know. I I tell people all the time, players are human, right? Like, there's a reason we call trap games trap games because you look at a team on film, you're like, "Fuck, they are awful. They are. They like they suck." And then you get into the game, you're not emotionally as up as you should be. And the team plays better than what they've shown on film. And then you're in a fight for your life. I think like the Dallas Houston game. Like that, like you can't tell me like Dallas watch film, all those players watch film of the Texans who are like the worst team in the league. I'm like, oh, we're gonna kill these guys. These guys stink. And then the Texans come out battling, like playing good football. And next thing you know, you're like, damn, we gotta scrap and claw and fight to try to win this game against a team that's one ten and one.
0: I wanna ask you about that game because Lovey Smith, from what I remember in his years in Chicago, loved going for it on fourth and goal from like the one or two. And I don't have an issue with it because I understand what the numbers tell you, especially at that point, it would have basically locked up the game unless something ridiculous happens at the end. What I don't like is when you're doing it when it doesn't look like it's going to work, which, which I know is like, well, that'd be great to know ahead of time. That didn't look like that series was going to work. They got in that short red and you're like, do you re- are you built to do this against that defensive front for Dallas? And Lawrence makes that one play where you're like, okay, maybe this isn't a great idea. And what I don't like is that we only look at the front part of the equation. We're like, well, look, if they get a touchdown here, this thing's kind of over. But on the other side, all you would have needed if you were down 27, 26, is all you would have needed was a field goal to win that game. And I, I know the field position part of it. Lovey used to like doing it at the end of halves where I'd go, well, if you don't get this, then you don't get the reward of awesome field position. That one felt like it wasn't going to work. And it was strictly married to the numbers, without ever thinking about the next part of the equation. If Dallas were going to go down and score a touchdown,
1: I think. Listen, I think you got ha- you have. Uh, I think there's some validity in what you what you're saying. I think also, what what plays a part in it is is the fact that you're one ten and one, and you also want to believe in your players. You know, because a lot of times when you you know you call certain things or do certain things, a part of it is you want players to buy into it. And so, you know, I think that's part of the equation as well and when you get in those type of situations is you want to put it in the hand of your players and let them determine you know, determine this whole thing. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And uh, you know, unfortunately for the Texans, it didn't work out in that specific uh, point in time.
0: Yeah. Um, again, that was twenty three twenty. They go down. So it just was something I was thinking about. Like if you took this if you took the three. And then you're also forcing them to play for the touchdown, which, again, it ended up happening anyway. Uh, and that Dak, that Dak pick at that point, you're like, this might be a wrap. That was one right. of the worst throws of the entire weekend, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Dak hasn't been actually playing great football, you know, over the past few weeks, to be honest with you.
0: Interesting story out of Tennessee. Jacksonville puts mm-hmm. it on him. Uh, John Robinson, their GM, let go. The owner, she made some weird video where, I don't know, like that – wouldn't make me feel great if I were a Titans fan going like, okay, in, I, I have no idea why she got rid of him or not. There's a theory that it's a variable power play. There are other people saying that is not the case whatsoever. You had uh, experience with Belichick being the final word on everything, and it's been one of the most successful runs in NFL history. How different is that when you have the coach, the game plan guy, also in charge of the final say on how much money you're going to make in a contract negotiation?
1: You know what and like honestly like you like during the season you don't pay attention to any of those type of things But you just you're just playing but when it comes into play is you know you're talking about big contractual situations like for myself my last year in New England we tried to get a contract done before the season we were close but we just couldn't we couldn't get it over get it over the uh, the finish line so we said you know what we'll revisit it after the season fast forward we end up winning the Super Bowl and then um you know the, the 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 unfortunate thing is when i remember that i remember the conversation it was it, it was me coach Belichick, and scott pioli i'm in the office and and and, and coach Belichick was like you know hey we're going to let you uh we're going to let you know let you touch free agency you know there were some discrepancies in, in what you were saying what your agent was saying and i'm like okay let me stop you right there i didn't i didn't make any comments like i've always said I let my agent take care of my business. That's why I pay him, and he takes care of the business. I don't say anything to you that my agent wouldn't say. Like I just let my agent handle everything. So at that point, I knew what was going to happen. I was going to free agency, and I was never going to resign with with New England because they knew that I was the top free agent um, coming out that that year. So you know, it was it was a little, um, you know, it, it 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 like that hurt me a little bit. Because I, you know, was he what he said at that particular time? But that's the dynamics that happen when the coach is also the final decision maker. He's the coach, the GM, the everything within the organization.
0: Yeah. I mean, this whole thing you got paid so much by Detroit, you knew New England wasn't going to do that, right? No, so no it wasn't going to happen. It never felt personal. It felt very businesslike. And knowing that you're an offensive lineman, even though you can play every position on the O line. Like that's just not the way New England is going to figure. They're just going to plug another guy in cheaper. Scarnecchi right. is going to coach him up, and then we're good. And we now we have Brady on top of everything else. So, right. um, Although, yeah, I mean, you were still there years before Brady was, but or became like the guy. Was it ever? Was it ever like? You have an agent. Who was your player agent then? His name
1: was uh, Ben Dogra. He was with us. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah.
0: All right, so did you want to know? Like did you want to know? I mean, my my thing is I'm not a, obviously anything cool enough as a pro athlete, but I always thought it was interesting when I talked to other people in broadcasting, but like don't you want to know what they're saying about you? And some of my friends would go, "Never." That's what the 10% is no. for. No, and I'd be I don't like, want- be <laughs> like, I kind of want to know what the people who are in charge of my career are saying about me. You didn't care. You didn't care.
1: I didn't care. I didn't care, man. Like I knew what my worth was. And, uh, and, and I think that's exactly right. What you said, as far as how other people felt like that's why I pay an agent, that's why you pay an agent. So they can handle that. They can have those, those type of discussions. I didn't care about what they had to say, say to me in those in those meetings. All I cared about was at the end of the day that my contract was was uh you know was was to a place where I felt like I was being compensated what what I was worth. Bottom line. The other
0: thing that's always funny too is when teams say we don't negotiate in season dot dot <laughs> dot unless we're able to absolutely murder the player at the negotiating table. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. Absolutely.
0: Is Brock Purdy good?
1: Um, I think Brock Purdy fits what the San Francisco for he fits in their system. I think the San Francisco 49ers are one of those unique teams. They might be the only team in the league where they don't need a quarterback that plays above the X and O's. They just need a guy to run their system. Brock Purdy is basically like Jimmy G. You know, Jimmy G is not a guy that's going to go out there and just have Patrick Mahomes type plays. He just needs to run the system, and everything else is going to take care of itself.
0: What is it about Shanahan's offense that maximizes, it feels like, every backup we've ever seen?
1: I, I think that, <clears throat> man, it, it's that's a great question because it's a run-oriented run system. They believe in running back by committee. I know they got Christian McCaffrey, but they want to run the football. Um, it's all about being where you're supposed to be in the passing game, yards after the catch. So it's very precise. Um, you know, it's not a system where the quarterback has a, like a huge autonomy to make, you know, make audibles and stuff. They don't do that in that system. They call it, they run it and they go execute it. And here's what I will say. You know, I, I think this will give some light to it. Coach Billichardt used to once said that the one system that frustrated him the most was a Shanahan system. When Mike Shanahan was in Denver. That was the one system that gave uh that gave his defenses the most problems. You know, just that that zone running scheme, the concepts in the passing game. And so that's what Kyle Shanahan is running. He might have tweaked it, but that's what he's running. And it's littered all over the National Football League.
0: Last thing before we let you go. Favorite hip hop album of twenty twenty two?
1: I like that Nas album, man. How I mad like Nas- How mad do you
0: get when when guys are trying to diss Nas for 21 Savage?
1: Honestly, I want to just smack the shit out of people. Like, how in the hell are you going to put 21 Savage even in the same area code as the great Nas? Like, one of the greatest lyricists that we've ever seen. And you you know, people putting mumble rappers, you know, on Nas's level. I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. Like, y'all might like the production better, but as far as like the the, the actual rapper, like they don't even deserve to be in his presence.
0: We need to do like a hip hop five minutes next week, next time we do it. Um Illmatic is a perfect album. It's perfect.
1: It's oh, perfect. No question. No question. Matter of fact. I'm a, I'm about to bump it as soon as I get off this call.
0: Well, there you go. <laughs> Enjoy, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.
1: All right, man. Appreciate you, brother.
0: I know a lot of people don't realize this, um, which makes sense because, you know, I work for Spotify, but for each podcast host, you know how you get your Spotify wrapped at the end of the year? For hosts, they actually wrap what you talked about. Yeah. So instead of like, hey, you listen to this or whatever, it would be strictly based on like, it can see what you were doing. So I was going to share mine with you guys. All right. The top six for me, uh, I was number one in usage rate, complaining about usage rate, more than anyone in the country, which no one has really picked up on. It said, number two, you complain about calls that Trey Young gets more than you actually called anyone this year. Um, you use this phrase the most. You said dudes don't talk to dudes in the top 2%. I'd love to know who that other dude is, but we wouldn't talk to each other. Um, you mentioned you liked Bryce Young versus Auburn in 21. You mentioned that you liked that game more than any other college football commentator in the country. And you were in the top 1% of Gabrielle Prichida mentions. You didn't love the SEC as much as you hated the Big Ten West. It was your top topic for the fall of 22. That was the next page. You liked bands more than solo artists. Love for Golden State, Boston, Cleveland, Phoenix. You stopped listening to Harden and Westbrook entirely. Maybe next year, a little more diversity. These five QBs took the most heat. Kirk. Jimmy G, Wentz, Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. And on Sunday, May 5th, it was the least amount of talking you've ever done. And in a music crossover, it says that I listened to Elliot Smith for 31 straight hours. All right, it's pretty cool. The first feature, I think it's the first year they've done that for podcasters.
2: You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required.
0: Life Advice is presented by Chevy. Our email address for Life Advice submissions, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Okay, Kyle, first thing you think of when I say ringer celebrity, first name that pops in your head? Van Lathan good choice very good choice
2: brian curtis yeah well i think um that's what my heart said but my head said van lathan you're a big brian curtis fan love brian curtis i don't even think he gets it i think he might be a little uncomfortable by about how much i outwardly praise him saying as we're never in the room together anymore so uh whatever buddy i just i'm just proud of you man of Brian Curtis. Yeah, totally. Yes. Okay. Right.
0: Yeah. Understood. Okay. So we had somebody write in about running into Kevin O'Connor. And they sent in the pictures of people fanboying out with Kevin at a restaurant. Restaurant? Potentially, I don't want to get KOC in trouble here. Is it with friends? Is it a date? Is it a sushi bar area where it's like not really chef's table seats, but kind of in that way that most sushi restaurants have a section there. So not only did they go, hey, we handled this wrong on a previous email, um, they sent it a follow up with a photograph of them. So it was like, hey, we're not getting a picture with him. Will you get a picture of us talking to him while he's at dinner? Now look, the guy is owning it here. He says he's skinny fat. He has a terrible body, the worst kind of body. Nice jumper. Um, he says we played it wrong. We shouldn't have gone up to him. The man was trying to watch the Sixers Lakers game on his phone while trying to enjoy some amazing omakase. Is that right pronunciation? I'm pretty basic. I'm I believe bas- it. Yeah, I believe I'm that. I'm so basic, Kyle. When I get sushi, all Mac right, cheese. He said, we played it wrong, uh, but we were so excited. The alcohol took over. We got excited. I told him I was a big fan, gave him a fist bump. I attached a pic of us going up to Kevin. We look like some losers. I'm disgusted at myself. The guy, I'm the guy in the brown shirt who is in the foreground but still looks short, but he says that's because the other guys are 6'3". Uh, that is all. I don't know what the ruling on that one is. I don't know if KOC was upset by this. They are hovering above him. They're at his back because at these like a sushi restaurant, you don't get to front greet someone. You have to right. walk up <laughs> behind them. Give him the old tap. So it looks a little awkward. But again, if it were a, if it were a serious thing, would he, would he be allowed to watch Sixers-Lakers, which was an absurd comeback by the Lakers, by the way. Still lost. Uh, I don't know what the... I, w- I would say this. If a guy's on a date and you go up and give him a little bit of love and what may look like an early date, I say do it. I think it makes him look good.
2: Definitely. Definitely does. Yeah. And right. you also looked out that KOC is one of the more gracious people. I mean, just to like to friends, acquaintances, anybody who loves basketball, I think he's got them all on the same sort of plane of importance almost. Not really, but uh, just in the way you're going to be treated. So uh, I imagine even if you did. Even if you did royally fuck this up and annoy him, which I don't know if you did or not. I don't think he would ever let you know.
0: I don't know that he could be that annoyed. He seems to be one of the nicest people uh, that I've probably ever met. And I don't don't know that that's an exaggeration. Like, if you ran into Chris Ryan, forget it. Yeah, Like, he's going to be a prick.
2: (laughs) Get out of the way.
0: Right. (laughs) You know, you got like four seconds with Chris Ryan to prove yourself. And he's not not stopping. He's not stopping
2: his his stride either.
0: (laughs) I saw him at um, at Tom's Urban once and a guy came up to say hi and he called him a surf. (laughs) Away, surf. So you lucked out. You lucked out with the right guy. Okay, all right. I don't even know what the advice was there. I think it's a little weird that they did almost a mockumentary of it, though. Like somebody else, Somebody else, like, hey, take a picture of us going up to KOC. All right, back to uh, back to work here. <laughs> All right, uh, relationship versus career advice from Ryan. What could go wrong? Uh, a lot, a lot with my advice. Okay, what's up, Ryan? Kyle, tell Saruti we miss him. I'll make it quick. I'm 22, about to grad. This guy does make it quick. Couple paragraphs, couple lines. One paragraph, actually one one or two lines. 22, about to graduate, just finished up my final interview with a company in Boston. I've lived in Florida my whole life and didn't own a pair of pants, just shorts, until college. (laughs) This guy loves shorts. Um, When I started going to bars and realized my fake was not good enough to justify shorts at a bar. Okay. Anyway, I can either work at this company in Boston or work fully remote and live anywhere I want. Likely stay in Florida. I've wanted to do stand up as I've always been the funniest guy in the group of friends in high school and college.
2: <laughs> I'm the funniest guy now.
0: <laughs> Would it be great if they were like the rest of the friends are like, dude? He thinks he's so funny.
2: <laughs> I'm the best rapper I know, too. So <laughs> yeah. are you the best rapper no, you know, Kyle? No, Is there a chance? No, but it's just a funny thing to say. It's like one of those things that's funny to say. It's like, of course you'd think that.
0: I can't believe I haven't asked this before. Did you ever dabble in freestyle? Oh, totally, yeah. Do you had bars? Did you have a name? Yeah, we've been over this. We have asked this before. Oh, well, I'm It was just old
2: KC. That. Yeah, it was just my initials. I didn't want to, I didn't want to presume that I knew how to make a rap name. So I was like, I'll just. Just go with my initials.
0: You stayed humble in the game.
2: <laughs> Even though I was the best rapper right now.
0: Yeah. Well, look, the audience is always growing. So welcome in. Those that didn't <laughs> know right. that. I kind of, it was one of those things where I was like, wait, I think we've been over this, but um, I wanted to make sure. Okay. So this guy's the funniest guy in his group. Um, and since discovering some of the great specials on Netflix years ago, a light switched in my head that this would be the dream at about 14 years old. Your karaoke story on Dirks Bentley, I think about all the time. I still think about it all the time. Uh, I've been writing jokes on my phone for years. That's an episode. (laughs) (laughs) And I really do think some of it's pretty good. Hey, by the way, you might be really, really funny. So let's all not, you know, uh, seriously, let's all be positive about this because we don't know. And by the way, who the fuck are any of us to tell this guy that he shouldn't do any of these things, right? Okay, so yay, this guy. So... Uh, I'd honestly be really excited to fail as much as I can for 10 years if that meant I had a chance of making. It. All right, so you're realistic about the time. That's what comedians tell you, too.
2: <laughs> you're going to fail for 10 years. Everyone says you're going to eat shit for 10 years, so you're on the right track then.
0: Yeah, that's why I love that. I forget. was it? I think it was Colin Quinn with Dana Carvey and David Spade. David Spade's one-liners, by the way, on the podcast. They're the funniest throwaway lines of oh, maybe dude.
2: anybody podcasting he, right now. He nailed me once on Bill's podcast, and my dad was like, That was the greatest moment of your life. He's, David, David Spade being mean to you for three seconds. I was like, Oh my God.
0: He's unbelievable. Like, I don't want to make light of this, but like, as comedians, they can make fun of literally anything and it doesn't matter. So I'll be vague to not sound as if I'm making fun of something tragic that happened, but there was a guest. Not hard to figure this one out. It was recent. And they were asking about somebody else. And the person had forgotten how this other person had died. And the guest was like, wait, what did he die of? And Spade just goes, bullets? (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) And Again, if I told you the full thing and you're listening to me tell it, you'd be like, that's incredibly cold. And you'd be like, (laughs) Yeah, in a non comedian version way of telling it. Yes. But Spade just going like sarcastic, dumbfounded one liner, like bullets. It was, I was in the car. I was like, my God, that was fucking just on it quick. All right. Back to this email, which we were taking some serious detours from. Okay. The problem comes in because unfortunately, my girlfriend, who I hope to marry a few years out of college, would like to stay in Florida, and she can stay closer to her family, who she is very close to. I asked her what she would think if I took the option to go to Boston, and she replied, quote, probably just cry. (laughs) Okay. That seems a tad dramatic. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not ideal. This guy is funny. Good follow-up. I could definitely try to make it in Jacksonville or Tampa, but let's be honest, the chances of making it out from these comedy scenes, even if I'm good or astronomically low, I understand Ryan doesn't have much experience choosing between his career and relationships, but any advice would be appreciated. (laughs) I would tell you I have a ton of experience choosing between career and relationship. It just, one dominated the other. One was the Globetrotters versus the Generals for me. Uh, as a side note into my psychology, my dad was pretty successful in the sports world, but he steered me well away from even thinking about going that way due to a lack of income. So you're going to try stand up,
2: uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus.
0: right? He was traveling a lot, gone about 250 days a year until I was 16 and not being able to be there for the kids. as They grew up and that's going to be really tough, man. I, I have a ton of sympathy for anyone, uh, the mom or dad in the situation where you feel like, you know, you're missing all that good stuff, but you're providing living i don't know good luck with that calculus because uh i don't know that anybody's ever come up with the right answer for that one uh every movie scene where the guy's watching the play on facetime the phone like okay we've seen it we get it he's not home a lot let's write that (laughs) scene in again uh so he doesn't want to be there for his uh well no he was saying about his dad not being able to be there we covered that i'm pretty damn good at sales funny and efficient And I could definitely make six figures and start a family by 24, 25, taking the remote job and avoid all the issues my dad told me to steer away from. If I were to make it, I'd probably travel a ton, see my wife less and less and not be the stay at home, work from home dad I've always wanted to be for my kids. appreciate you reading this. And the only segment that my girlfriend will listen to is Life Advice. Uh, Yeah, honestly, that's why the podcast in the last year has, has done as well as it has, because girlfriends and wives no longer hate me. All right. My first thing to do would be exhale here. Uh, you're putting kind of a lot of pressure on yourself to go, like, hey, I don't want it. Like, you, you're you not even married and you're worried about being home for the kids, which I think is actually admirable that you're thinking about all of these things, right, Kyle? But, you know, you're going, hey, I want to be young or I, I want to be married at a young age, 24, 25. We're talking two years from now. Um, I think she's being very dramatic to say, like, I would probably just cry. But, you know, sometimes you end up, dating and then marrying somebody that never really want, wants to leave home. I would submit Chicago girls as my first piece of evidence. You know, they, a lot of people really love where they grew up. I was a bit more of an explorer and was always wanting to move and like try different things and and didn't really care about any of that stuff. I also don't have a family, I don't have kids. And boy, those relatives come in real handy uh, when you still want to have some sort of life with your wife and you have young kids all over the place and your relatives if they love kids or fired up to take them off your hands. Right. So there's that, uh, two things. My thing, I can only speak to like my deal on this personally, but I could not, um, not try. I knew what was going to happen. It was going to haunt me. I probably, you know, I would have thought I was going to be successful at a lot of different things. Sorry if that sounds arrogant, Um, but I knew that if I didn't try the creative thing, which again, I wouldn't tell you I'm super (laughs) satisfied creatively. Uh, if I didn't try the thing, the most people weren't going to try, I was going to have this thing where, you know, maybe my late thirties or whatever, I've been like, you never even fucking tried. you never tried, And that was going to bother me. I was already pre bothered. Buy it before it was even close to happening, which is probably a waste of time, too. So I knew I had to try. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know deep down if you're going to have this moment years from now, if you don't really try. I just think you're mapping out a lot of shit without any of these answers, you know? And that's the first thing. Like, OK, fine. Like why can't you do comedy at home? Like you haven't even started yet and you're already shitting on the scene in Tampa and Jacksonville. I don't know that that's the right play. Uh, Boston's got some stuff going on, but again, I don't know how you would rank. Like, do you just, do you just get off the plane and go, I'm here? I mean, I don't know how that works. I know we had, uh, Bargazian who said when he was in New York city, he was one of those guys handing out flyers on the street and trying to promote stuff. He said he was fucking terrible at it, but I guess that's the way it works. You show up, keep meeting people, going to parties, probably tell everybody they're funny even when they're not hope to hand out flyers hope to get two minutes on the worst possible night ever like I don't I don't know if that happens in New York City uh I'm sure there's smaller places where it can Boston I have no idea I haven't lived there in a long time so the job is in Boston or you can do the remote thing and then stay in Florida and keep this girl happy who apparently never wants to move but you want to have a life with her like if the relationship is that important to you, and by the way, it doesn't always have to be an, an either or, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't always have to be that. Like sometimes the great thing about meeting the right partners they are like, Hey, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul and I want to share this journey with you. Like, I remember one time I was talking to one of my friends who was kind of asking me like, Hey, what's your deal with this? And I was like, look, I just want nothing to ever get in the way. Nothing is ever going to get in the way. And he was like, all right, fucking commando. Um, <laughs> He's like, didn't you ever think about maybe sharing that journey with somebody else? And I was like, ooh, good one. And I was like, that was pretty good, pretty good retort. So maybe that could that could happen. Uh, I don't know, Kyle. Why don't you jump in here a little bit because you're you're closer to the stage here.
2: Um, yeah, I just I changed my whole approach because you told me your girlfriend listens, so I'm not going to tell you to leave her. Um, I wasn't going to tell you you should leave her, but I was going to say it's definitely you know it's not off the table, right? You're still technically in school, so. You know, that's sort of one of those band-aids that sometimes usually gets ripped off when people graduate, right? Certain institutions between high schools and colleges, sometimes it's just like, all right, well, I'm going to go back to where I live now. Um, So that's just, it's it's an option for a lot of people. I'm not saying it should be for you. But um, yeah, I think, I guess what I would wonder is, is can you take this Boston thing anytime? Can you be like, Cause some companies are like, you know, tell us where you want to work now. Otherwise you're coming in the office, you know, like, so maybe you could take the, maybe you could, t- if, if, if it's still an option to do the Boston thing. And I've heard, I listen to a lot of comedians podcasts and they always talk about how the Boston scene was. There was a lot of great comedians that come out of Boston. Nobody really ever talks about how good it is. And I'm not sure if that's because it isn't, but it's just, they all talk with this irreverence for it in like the nineties and the two thousands. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how, how scenes and eras come and go but i just know that people used to love the comedy scene in boston definitely um but yeah i don't know
0: enough about it so i'm not not saying like look we know it isn't new york city it's obviously a really big deal so like if he takes the job moves to boston then he's going to get exposed to stuff apparently that's much better for his preferred profession later on but it's a lot it's a lot to take the nine to five to move to bring your girlfriend who doesn't want to be there make sure she's cool and then also pursue the other stuff. I mean, personally, I would see if you have anything that stands out in the local area. All right. So you're not strained too much financially. You're not not moving to a completely different city. You're keeping her happy. But this is a lot of stuff. This is a lot of stuff to juggle. And the great thing is when you can meet somebody who goes, hey, I'll support you through, you know, it kind of sucks when it's like, but the clock is ticking. But that's the reality of it. And if money's going to be an issue for you in a few years, like, all right, you said, hey, you're not going to make any money for 10 years. Are you really? It's kind of like tanking with the Sixers. And I've made this analogy before. Hey, we're going to lose a million games. We're going to have some of the most embarrassing rosters ever. And it's going to give us the best chance to get all these awesome picks. And that's how we're going to make this team a real contender. And you're like, man, that's fucking great. That's a great idea. And then it's year two. All right. And it's awful. The plans are way easier to make. They're harder to live through. So you can sit there today and feel like, Hey, I'll be fine. I don't need it. Okay. We'll really be in it. Really be in the plan a couple years. And you're feeling, you may be able to ride it through, but you, you just, you're going to feel differently. Like, it's just funny when I'll hear people say like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like, okay, that's cool. Like, what's it going to feel like when you're actually really doing it? So, uh, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know that I did a great job with this one other than talking about a million different angles to all of it. I think the, the biggest thing, you, you're going to have to figure it out. Like, What's the most important? What are the most important things? I wouldn't write it down. I mean, she's listening to this anyway, so she's probably going to like, like me all that much after 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, I still think there's a way to compromise. And at this age, you're so young. I don't think you need to... I, maybe this is the most important thing, man. You're really young. You have an idea of what you want to do. It sounds like you have a lot of great things going on for you. You don't need to start mapping it out in pen. <laughs> we haven't even graduated yet, you know, so relax a little bit. Okay, this one's a little different. Friend won't let us into apartment. Uh, 30, pickup Pick up game centered around rebounding and tossing up threes. We'll try and be as short as possible. Have a fairly large friend group. One of our lifelong 15 plus years friends had a baby earlier this year while unexpected we were all very supportive and happy for him none of us knew his girlfriend very well before the baby came to the picture we all did our best to welcome her in like we had known her our whole life all of us in the friend group agreed to give them space during the first few months because we know how tough those months are on the parents cut to thanksgiving with some of some time off, a handful of us tried to get together to go see the baby. Multiple friends over multiple trips were welcome to come over, but once we got there, each of us were met with the same thing, not being allowed to come into the apartment, even with gifts in hand. He could meet each of us at the door, make up an excuse, and explain they would be down in a minute to come outside. Mind you, all of this is taking place in the part of the country where it's been cold for a couple months now, which doesn't seem great for a baby. None of us know his fiance or her family particularly well, And this is not a friend to open up when something serious is going on. After each of us confirmed another one's stories, we came to the same conclusion. This is weird behavior. Is it not? We've known this friend for over a decade. Uh, He was never overly concerned with COVID germs and none, all caps of us, have been in his apartment he has lived in for over a year. Want to get your take on whether or not this is weird or are we just being paranoid? That's weird. That's weird. Now let's try to figure out why it's why it's happening none of us know his now fiance or family particularly well okay all right or her family particularly well all right so you don't know she could be an absolute high alert you know covid person with the baby i think it's understandable i don't want to turn into a big fucking covid debate on um, what actually happens it's a weird thing man and some people get it and some people don't they can be in the same fucking room all right however if you are as a new mom like anti people coming over all the time. I think that's a pretty easy conclusion. And I think it's something, even though it's weird, you'd have to respect that that's the path they want to go. And even if your buddy isn't wired like that, it doesn't matter how he's wired in this scenario. The mom with a new baby is going to win and he's just going to defer if he has an intelligence, uh, if he has an IQ of 12, he's going to be letting her be like, yep, okay, cool, no problem. I don't want a million. You know what I mean? Like, Right, Kyle? Like, why? We're not even
2: going to talk about it either. We're, We're not even going to talk about right. it either. <laughs> now,
0: could they be hoarders and they just have newspaper stacks all over the place covered in cat piss? Possible. We've seen some of the footage, right? You roll in and you're like, oh, cool. You have every... Daily news since nineteen seventy one, and there's another cat. You know, maybe they're slobs. Super embarrassed. Don't want anybody to come up, come over to stand outside in the cold, and then bring the baby out in the cold. Maybe counters all of the COVID stuff, right? Because that was another part of this. Yeah, like, wait, I was like, the we, baby,
2: the baby's coming outside. I was like, the wait, is the baby real? Yeah. But if the baby's outside, all right, the baby's real.
0: Yeah, so the baby is real. We're good. Yeah, would it be like, hey, she feels way better. She read an article about COVID where it's like, if you bring your baby outside into freezing temperatures, it's way better off than a heated house. Maybe that's the other thing. Maybe one of the two doesn't agree on, doesn't believe in heating a home. Maybe she's holistic,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Energy bills going through the roof. Let's not have anybody over and complain about how cold it is. I, people can get fucking weird about their places. You know, it, it's not often... But I think most of us have like one person where you go, What do you do here? This is fucking weird. Yeah. So the being protective of the baby in front of strangers and with COVID, everything, it feels like that whole theory gets shot to shreds because they bring the baby
2: outside.
0: I don't know. I don't know what this. what is it?
2: I think she's I mean, they're they're moving they moved in together, right? And they hadn't hadn't really lived together too often before this, probably, right? Cause okay. I said in the last year, that's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing. So, cause for me with my uh, future wife, what we would call a fiance, when we first moved in, I was always like a, yeah, come over to my house guys. It's fine. And she was more of a like, um, no, I'm not really like inviting people over. Like I, I was allowed over, but she didn't have like friends over her house. Just kind of wasn't, that wasn't her deal. So we kind of came together. It was, um, when we finally moved into the same apartment, I would like invite people over Well, she'd be at work. She'd be like, wait, there were people in here today. I was like, yeah. She's like, my God, look at this fucking place. And it's like, I thought it looked all right, but she had a different version of what a house looks like when there's company over. So, you know, I'd have people swing by and they'd be like, they like she'd be home maybe even and they'd want to like come up for a second and i'd be like you know i'll just meet you outside i'll meet you outside because like it's not my like now you're here and i didn't broach it with her we didn't talk about it and now like now she's gonna be weird that somebody came in here and i didn't clean all day for it to happen so i'll just meet you outside it's happened before i haven't invited people over like hey man let's go let's meet my baby and then i'm like just stay right out i'll come to your car but I think like maybe there's a version of that because she's my fiance has gotten a lot better with it over the years. And it's usually when they're like sometimes they're friends that I know and she hasn't known. She's like, what's going on right now? There's somebody that's coming in here about to judge me. And she's just like in her head about it. I'm not ever thinking about it, but she's just always like, how does my house look for a stranger? So that could be who this guy's girlfriend is. It's it's unfortunate uh, if, if he's not going to even be able to work on it, because I've actually been pretty proud of how far we've come with having people come over to the apartment and whatever. So, um, you know, it could just be that. I think it's got all the signs of him just being like, hey, yeah, man, I'll come down, I'll come down. And that's what it's got for me. Unless there's something weird and this baby's fake and this was a, you know, a ploy for you know, Marshall's gift cards. I don't know. It doesn't make sense unless she's just uncomfortable with having people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unless she's just uncomfortable having people come in and see her house or maybe she doesn't feel safe when, you know, strangers are around. I'd say maybe you guys should try to like meet her out somewhere and maybe she'll be more comfortable. But I don't know. I think this is probably a a larger problem that she's got. So that's my guess.
0: No, like I read the email again. No one has ever been inside the apartment of the friends. They said they've known this guy for over a decade. They didn't know her all that well. They have a baby. They bring over gifts. None of them are ever ever allowed inside. This feels more than just a COVID germ paranoia thing. Uh, I'd also offer this one up. Are they doing worse financially than the rest of the group? Mm. Because there can also be this kind of, you know, guilt isn't the right word, shame of like, We're not doing that well. Our house sucks. Our apartment sucks. It embarrasses me. It embarrasses her. Maybe I'm not embarrassed, but she's embarrassed. She doesn't want to. But then to continuously make everybody stand outside, give you baby gifts, and then show the baby in the cold, and no one's ever been inside, it's fucking weird. So we went hoarder. We went funds. We went germs. Anxiety, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she could just straight up have some. You know, that's one of the things you always have to kind of like, especially now is become more aware of, of different challenges that people have. Maybe because we talk about it all the time, but
2: uh I would bring it up because if it's that easy, he might be comfortable sharing that with his good friends. To Be like, listen, man, I know this isn't the way I want it, but it's the only way I can have a happy life right now <laughs> by appeasing her on this. So maybe you guys will just get an answer if you just ask him. Because uh, I don't know if he's been asked, right?
0: That's the t- most important thing. I don't even want to go in the house. I just want to know why I can't go in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. right. Like, that's what someone his closest friend should just go, I don't want to go in. I just need <laughs> to know why I can't. What you need to do is you need to have a party, have all the core people get together. You invite them. Make it mandatory. Like it has to be a way that's going to entice them. They bring the baby. And I think you'll get a you'll get a good vibe check on that in the course of a little night activity and if she ends up being like oh my god like she's the worst um then you'll probably have your answer you know and then maybe somebody could follow up with it but yeah i don't i know we're gonna get a bunch of theories presented maybe they steal shit maybe they're running a ponzi scheme and there's (laughs) multiple screens all over the place they're flipping coins that are worth like 25
2: ipads in there
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like oh wow you guys is it reselling PlayStation 5s? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> you know? Off a truck. I don't know. Maybe they have a sex swing. That's something else I've always thought. That right was in the like, middle of the living <laughs> room? Yeah. We watch, we watch Povich and we, I don't know, we get a sex swing and it sucks to take down. And I don't want to <laughs> take it down. And she likes it in the living room because I feel like the joists are sturdier. This house was built in 22. 1922. We lucked out with this
2: beam running right across the middle. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think these are on 16-inch centers (laughs) upstairs.
0: There's all sorts of theories, but what you need to know is the answer. Who cares about going in? You don't want to go in this house. I don't think any of you do. You just need to know. So get back to us. Is there a way they could figure it out? No, not
2: without wildly speculating, I don't think. I know what
0: you do. Gift card to a person who is an exterminator, what if they don't have any issues? Pull a little sting here where you send the guys in to paint the office of the Western Union to get them out of there. <laughs>
1: right.
0: You need to have one of, one of your non-core friends pretend he's a guy. He's like, hey, you want to save on your energy bill? Stanley Steamer, we got you a full vent cleaning. Right, that's the gift card. A full, great idea, Kyle.
2: HVACs, you guys are yeah. worried about
0: germs? HVACs, cleaned out. No, I like Stanley Steamer. You, you yeah. buy the real gift card to the Stanley Steamer guy, but then you find the Stanley Steamer van guy later on and be like, here's a 50. What the fuck is going on in
1: there?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, Problem solved. What does it smell like in there, dude? <laughs> what's yeah. happening? What's going on? i be like, dude, that household loves Curry. <laughs> but I don't think the guy does. I don't know what's going on. All right. Today's Life Advice was brought to you by Chevy Silverado. Learn more. About Chevy Silverado at Chevy.com. Thanks to Kyle for today's episode of the Reiner Silla Podcast. Please subscribe, ring her Spotify.